This American Goofball is brought to you by LaughterLeague.org Inspiring laughter for those who need it most. LaughterLeague.org In schools, hospitals, and theaters worldwide. So, Brian, this is the 11th year of doing uh, clown festivals in China. That's my partner in life and in clowning, Tiffany Riley. Correct. And um, are you up for 11 more? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's little... Ask me in a couple months from now. It usually takes a little of a recuperation. But um, (laughs) as long as people want to come back, just like... um, our producer Chris Wang, who who makes it all happen, um, I will continue casting clowns to go to China. As long as clowns want to go to China, mm-hmm. we'll make this happen. And as long as people want to see clowns in China, and they really do, they, it, they, there's a lack of comedy and a lack of that connection here. We're bringing something. Yeah, to we're these definitely people. bringing something that is not here. From New York Goofs Media, this is Dick Monday, and you're listening to This American Goofball, the podcast set down in actual time. The woman you just heard speaking is Bren Swanson. A former Ringling Brothers circus clown, very multi-talented in stilt walking and juggling, still performs. But right now she's been casting the Chinese comedy festival featuring clowns from around the world. What you're about to hear is the bus ride from our hotel in Shanghai to the airport, which is about an hour outside of town. Seeing the Chinese culture embracing the art is always a moment because clowns are not, it's summertime, it's just new here, so it, there's no perception in the States. It's definitely a different perception. You're starting from scratch here, which is a new beginning, and it's definitely amazing to see how it's embraced. It, there's a lot happening in a city like the, in Shanghai. So it, it's changed a lot. I remember we did the Tiandu City, which was the second one, right? And I remember that parade we did where there was like thousands and thousands yes. of people. And that yeah, but I had the first parade in Leo Zhou. Leo Zhou was bigger, oh, oh, was way yeah. bigger. I was, was 10 times bigger. <laughs> That's Bidou from Paris, France, a talented balloon sculptor who yeah. makes life-size creations out of pure latex and hot air. Because for Tiandu we had a parade, but we were in some vehicles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we walked that parade. We walked in Leo And there was over a million people. One million people. One million people. All the bridges, all the street walk was back, 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 back. One million people in a city that was smaller. Wow. I mean, the city was, it was like almost everybody came out. I mean, a third of the city came out. 
But if you think when circus first started going west through small towns with yeah. an animal that had not been seen by these yeah. people, and, you know, new territory. it was kind of a similar thing. You know, you're exposing to something that's brand new. So a million people, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Breaking ground. One of the one years we played, was, I think it was Bamboo. Greg DeSanta was an iconic Ringling Brothers clown many years on the road with The Greatest Show on Earth. Now he's in charge of the Clown Hall of Fame in Baraboo, Wisconsin. That's Chris's, Chris Wang's hometown. hometown. And the producer's a, hometown. The producer's hometown, and it was a very, very rural, very small area. And it was, I think, some of the elderly Asians were more fascinated by, the, they had never seen a Westerner in their life. So we would get off the bus and they would just want to, we weren't in clown yet. They wanted to just yeah. see us and touch us. And yeah. and it was like, they were, we were so different. And you know, like we were coming into their world. So the clown part was beautiful afterwards, but it was, I was always struck when we'd get off the bus, they'd be just looking like, we were, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, and we brought our kids in 2007 when Lily was four and Chet was seven, and and the people didn't. They would look right past us in full clown makeup to take pictures with our yeah. children, yeah. little American children. It's pretty great. Great well, life. We find ourselves doing the same here. I mean, we're taking pictures of all the yeah. Chinese yeah. children. Yeah. yeah. That are adorable. They're so yeah. adorable. And they speak English, and the audience is pretty funny. <laughs> They're saying hello, hello, bye bye now, bye bye, hello, bye bye. <laughs> Last night I said, how are you? And the little girl, I am very happy. <laughs> so, so cute. Cool. I decided that I would go to Wikipedia and look up comedy in China. What I came up with was only a quarter of a page. That told me that maybe there's a mixed history of comedy in China. I did find out that during the 80s, stand-up comedy started becoming somewhat popular. Uh, As a matter of fact, one Chinese-American comedian had gone over and made the decision that younger people were laughing more than some of the older generations. So as I look back at the philosophers Socrates and Confucius, who both lived around the same time, I found a quote that said that uh, Socrates was more about using logic to find the truth, while Confucius is about who's obeying who, the social order. Now that has a huge impact on society. In China, there's not much questioning People just accept. So I think that tells us a lot of different things about how we might approach comedy in China. Now, since we're not using the spoken word, things are a little bit different. We're using just our face and our body, our expressions, our noises. So our goal as physical comedians, as clowns, was to try and do what we do everywhere else we perform. And that's to not just appeal to one part of society, but to try and appeal to all of society. And that 
is a major challenge. For, for this year, for me, it was like I got to do it twice. So I got yeah. to bookend the summer with I started in May, came here for a festival here in September and did a lot of different things in the summer but it, it's like it's a recharge it really is yeah. it's like our personal recharge yeah. to like why we do this we laugh I laugh more than I ever laugh ever at home and when I get home people are always like you should go to China more you really are so much nicer and better and happier when you come home and I'm like it's with my tribe yeah you know we don't get that you know we get all the so we're we're always connected but this is the connection the, it the is face to face and the only time you see a phone out here if you could get service if you the only get time service. is to take a photo yeah yep. where we talk we talk yeah In 1968, the owners of the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus discovered an interesting fact. The average age of their working clown was 72 years old. So what was gonna happen was that we were gonna lose an art form. So Irvin Fell, the owner of the Ringling Brothers Circus, decided to start a clown college where he would take these 72-year-old clowns and pass the torch down to a new generation of funny makers. The Clown College existed for 30 years, turning out almost 1,500 graduates. But now the Clown College has been closed since 1997, and finding a way to develop physical comedians is rather challenging, especially in the United States of America. So what's happened is that there are comedy festivals around the world that love physical comedy because we don't have to rely on the spoken word to get a laugh. So the festival that we're talking about, the Shanghai Comedy Festival, involves clowns that no longer work full-time in the circus. Now that Ringling Brothers is no longer performing, there aren't a lot of opportunities for clowns in America unless you seek out a nightclub or a theater or a theme park or a festival. So the Chinese festival has become an opportunity for a large number of clowns to get together, to get our tribe together, to teach the young and find a way of passing down this art form to another generation. last year when you brought Ruthie. Ruthie was Ruthie the one that was needed to go. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. The circus had just closed. She was nervous. She had no idea what 
the next step would well, ever bring. She was she very apprehensive about her skill set. She hadn't and, been in like, makeup in had, over decades. You know, and really, she was, I don't remember how to meet Reed. I'm like, you don't ever forget how no, to meet Reed. No, it's riding a bike. And within a half was, a day, she had Chinese kids. And, oh, and she was hugging them and hugging, loving them. They were them loving and, like, on her. And Handed out, making everybody on her in Texans, and we're singing deep in the heart of Texas. And by the end, she was. Yeah, everybody loved her. Like, the cast loved her. The, yeah. the people, and, and she needed it. And she got ideas to do a library show. You yeah, know, inspired. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And she made really a costume inspired. and stuff. So yeah. So it's this. It's not just for the new artists. It's for the seasoned ones who've had decades and decades of experience. It was but really powerful to, for me to be with her last year because we went to clown college together yeah. in 1974 and here she had been with Ringling Brothers that entire time. Yeah. So, and my, I just feel like my life had gone so many directions in this world of clowning and she had stayed consistent with Ringling Brothers until it it closed. Yeah. I mean it's an amazing thing and then she ends up with her with her people and her tribe here in China. And I think uh, whenever we come together like that, it's, it's a pretty spiritual time. Yeah. You know? There's like a third aspect of it of people who just have some really great ideas but don't know how to get it on their feet. Yep. And so I've, you know, some things have really spawned from this. Their first time, Seth and Christina, you know, Seth Bloom and Christina Jasson did masks, you know, that that was started here. It came over with a couple masks and an idea for a show and then ended up headlining Big Apple Circus. Wow. Just a couple of years later with those same characters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there are lots of gifts <laughs> yes, here. a lot of gifts. The old ones, it's the old ones working with the new ones. Absolutely. It's the people who don't know if their career's over or if, you know what I mean, if they've done everything they want to do or where they're going, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. it's like I, I love sitting and watching Chase and Ivan. You know, you're like, this is in good hands. Yeah. The, the, these guys are going to yeah. work. This is good. This is going to go. This is going to grow. But really, honestly, where else? Does that happen? This like shepherding and handing down because it isn't happening in the circus. So in a way, there's it's a great responsibility now that you've created to to carry out that generational passing on of clowning. As I boarded the plane to fly to China, one of the headlines from our president, Mr. Trump. Evidently, there had been an extra $20 billion worth of tariffs placed on Chinese goods. Well, here we were, American goods, flying to China to perform. It's funny. The people of China really didn't care about the $20 billion worth of tariffs as much as they cared about interacting and engaging with something that was lighthearted, that was funny, that was calming, that was laughter. 
We realize that no matter how much political tension may exist between people, when two people come together from different places and find a way to engage and find that linkage, that laugh between them, amazing things happen. did a summit a couple years ago where all, like, all these important politi political government came together with a bunch of us clowns. I mean, it was very, very formal. and very um, formal, but they, they wanted to, you know, they wanted to know what made us tick and, you know, how we could transcend, you know, all the cultures and the, the language and, and everything. And I, I think the answer to that was laughter. I think that it's right. a universal language. Yep. So, I really feel that, you know, because it doesn't matter with politically what's going on, it, it's the laughter that carries the whole entire progress, the project. You know, if you're laughing, you can't hate. Yeah, that's a great. Or judge. Or, or judge. Right. So. Clowns are the secret to world peace. Well, the bus arrived to the Shanghai airport in a timely fashion. We had a great conversation on that bus. I'll miss all these people working together day after day to make people laugh. As far as world peace, I think maybe there's something to the fact that laughter is a powerful thing. I think we've overlooked joy and laughter as a commodity placed way too much importance on financial gain. The world revolves around money, but what people like to do when they get together is laugh. Well, what would happen if you set up a small circus tent holding 150 people right on the banks of White Rock Lake in Dallas, Texas. Well, I would hope we would have some fun and some laughter and some great crowds. But what I didn't expect was next time on This American Goofball. This American Goofball is a co-production of New York Goofs Media and RF Media. Our editor and sound designer is Rich Froelich. Our design editor is Rich Froelich. Office tables provided by Rental Stop. Fact-checking provided by Paul Manafort and Michael Cohen. Special thanks to the entire Justice Department Guests of This American Goofball stay at the Trump Tower, Moscow. $50 million gets you a heck of a nice condo. 
limousine, and edibles provided by Elon Musk. Our music is provided by freemusicarchive.org. Well, so long for now from This American Goofball. Nineteen sixty-eight. Let me start that again because I'm going to burp. Don't use that, please, Richard.